and welcome to another exciting episode of COM42Cast. My name is Miko Pavlikovsky, and today my guest is Joshua Arvin Ladd. He's the CTO of NewWorks Interactive Labs, previously three Australian-owned companies, also CTO, AWS Machine Learning Hero, and the author of the book Machine Learning with Amazon SageMaker Cookbook from Pact Publisher. Hello, Joshua. How are you doing? Hello. Good day. Uh, great. Um, I've been super busy this past couple of months, but yeah, I, I feel super great right now. Well, Joshua is a serious man. Uh, he woke up at 4 a.m. for this today. So uh, thank you so much. Really appreciate that. So to warm you up, um, we typically start by confusing our guests a little bit. So the question for you is, what's your favorite planet? Other people might look at, let's say, the other planets in the solar system or maybe other planets outside of the solar system. But I think what we usually tend to take for granted would be our own planet, planet Earth. Um, because for one thing, uh, I, I read somewhere that it's a living organism. So, so, so when, when we were starting to learn about uh, the planets, um, uh, what, 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 a, what a living thing is, we, all, we, always think of, we, we always think of living organisms as, let's say, the humans, the animals. But I, I read somewhere that the Earth is a living thing. Um, and the, one of the reasonings there would be that Earth, for some reason, is able to sustain life inside that, um, that atmosphere. And that's one of the, the primary things that a living organism would be doing. So yeah, so if we don't take care of, the, of Earth, um, we also lose everything there inside. So in Earth, there, there's a lot of things we can still discover about Earth and and, and yeah, um, and that, that's the reason why it's my favorite because people take it for granted because we always start looking ahead too much and looking at other planets also. Love that. Definitely underappreciated. And I can't help but mention that as you started talking about the living planet, that make, made me think about the Guardians of the Galaxy sequel and the ego living planet. But um, I like your answer a lot. All right, Joshua. So, um, Obviously, I had to stalk you a little bit online. Um, well, check your LinkedIn. Uh, and um, the first thing that one notices to when, when looking at your background is that you've had a series of startups when you were involved, um, mainly in the CTO facility. Um, so I'm curious, um, you know, how it came to be. Did you just feel that you know entrepreneurial uh, stuff is what you want to do? Was it just a series of things that you did with people that you liked or curious how does one basically the, do four different startups uh, in a space of what is it eight years or something like that <laughs> can you talk about that a little bit if i were to go back um to the more or less very beginning so when i was in college about 10 years or 12 years ago uh, i started early um, i started uh, working part-time jobs while still studying yeah, so, so I, while I was studying, um, I did read, read a lot of books. And one of the things I learned there I mean, 10, 10 to 12 years ago was that even if I'm, let's say, an individual contributor at the beginning of my career, even if I'm not yet managing people at that time, there are still different ways to help the entire team or help the entire company. So for one thing, being good at your work, being able to do your individual task, um, and being able mm -hmm. to help, let's say, another person that, that at least makes you, let's say, a person who can help or help help do the work of two people. 
And then, yeah, I, I, being a workaholic when I was much, much young, younger, after I graduated, I joined um, a startup, an e-commerce startup called uh, Deal Grocer. So um, I, I was super interested in security when I was in college. We even joined competitions, international competitions back then. And then I, I had to choose whether to become a, a specialist in security or someone with who someone is going to do some web development and engineering work with security as a, like a value add. So I joined an e-commerce startup because I knew that for one thing, I would be able to contribute more because there's less people uh, in a sense where you know that you're you're making a big impact to your company. It's super exciting. And at the same time, um, I, I got to learn a lot of things in, in my first startup. Uh, I got promoted as the director for software development and engineering after about three years or four years um, in my in my first company. And that's where I learned how to manage people and take on much larger projects and multiple projects at the same time. Actually, multiple startups, two e-commerce um, startups, and maybe one fintech during that four to five year span. And then I uh, I joined another company called Complete Business Online. And after joining, uh, a few months later, there are two other startups. So it's like it's like an umbrella company with trying to do three things. So one, digital marketing. The second one would be uh, machine learning as a service uh, or machine learning powered application. We're, we're trying to build a machine learning powered application in one of the, the startups there. And then the other one would be a SaaS platform. So a lot of things. Um, and they, they use me as a shared resource there, trying to help build those things with different team members there. So yeah, I mean, so we, it's a good use of time because we were able to, to do a lot of things in a short period of time. And then now, um, after three, or four, three to four years in, in my previous company, um, I joined Newworks as the CTO. And yeah, also doing a lot of things here in Newworks also. Yeah, a lot of web development work, engineering work, trying to build internal systems, uh, trying to build automation systems as well, trying to manage a lot of servers, uh, managing mobile projects, chatbots, and so on. So a lot, a lot of things. That's very interesting. And I think definitely the aspect of accelerated learning where uh, there are fewer people and you kind of have to do all the things is, is definitely speaking to me. That makes a lot of sense. Another thing that one notices is that you're also a frequent speaker. Is that something that you've kind of just naturally gravitated towards? Is that something that you wanted to do to, to improve your communicational skills? Um, how did you end up speaking so much at conferences and so on? I started, uh, I, I didn't really want to be um, a public speaker. I didn't expect myself to, to have this kind of life 10 years ago. So this probably started when there was an international competition when I was still in my last year in college. So we had this research paper. I think it's about two-factor authentication system and a hybrid of that. And then there was a competition. First, the, the first round was a Asia Cup. And then I was the, the representative of my team um, from the Philippines. I think there, were, there are two teams from the Philippines. And then uh, I, I was the representative there. And we had to defend our research paper in front of multiple judges. Uh, and yeah, uh, luckily we won that uh, competition and it was like a 15 to 30 minute speech. So of course I had to to improve my speaking skills and abilities because you, we only had 15 to 30 minutes to present something that is uh, very technical in nature and something that 
is there to solve a certain problem. And then after a few months, after winning the first round in Asia, uh, we had the International Cup where it's a, a international, meaning um, all the winners from the, the regional uh, cups would be there to compete. So yeah, I was able to... Um, so luckily, we, we won again first place. Yeah, world champions. And then... Yeah, it, it was it was super tough because everyone was super talented. Their research papers were amazing. Some were even some were even I think already doing masters and PhDs. And we were just undergrads back then. And and we were aware that the that other countries have better educational systems also. So I mean, luckily we won that. And after that, I got invited in Rootcon, uh, one of the security conferences here in the Philippines, to do a talk about my research paper. So, so yeah, of course, when, 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 when joining those types of conferences, I, I knew that they were experts in the, the field. And I was just a student back then. So, but, but from my end, I, 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 knew my research, I knew our research paper well and just, just, shared, it with, just shared it during the event. So, so yeah, uh, that was my first um, experience. Those were, those were my first few talks. And then what I did was I tried to stop speaking for two years. So this is one of the the stories I rarely shared in the past, and and people will ask, why did you stop speaking for two years? Uh, because I realized that sometimes when you always speak, there's always a tendency for the human brain to think that you are already succeeding. There's that weird feeling that if you always speak, you will feel that you're already an expert. When in fact, your hands-on skills and actual experience may be lagging a bit behind. So what what I told myself is, okay, I'm I'm starting to get these talks. I should stop speaking first for, let's say, two to three years, and then I should focus first on my craft. So what I did is at work, um, I spent, let's say, nine to 10 hours at work when I was 21 years old or 22 years old. And then after work, I would spend uh, the next five hours there training myself. So it's like, it's like Batman training where I try to upskill myself four to five hours per night after work hours for two years. So after one year, I, I realized that a person's work that's worth, let's say, one week or two weeks, I would be able to do it in one minute. Uh, no, no, eight minutes, something like that. It, it did happen at work where we had to install Redis. And then since I already did it before, all I did was install three commands, configure something really quickly, and then ta-da, you have your Redis server. Even at that point, I was still a front-end developer. And it was weird for me to know all those things, even though I am supposed to be doing front-end, not um, server-related stuff. So after, um, after realizing that, okay, my hands-on skills are there and I am already doing a lot of things and I'm already comfortable telling myself, okay, I am an intermediate professional. I'm, I'm no longer someone who's just good at public speaking. I decided to go back and start speaking again. I wanted to start from scratch. I didn't want to use my early success in the global competition as a way to, do, to shortcut a bit and tell everyone, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm an expert. I wanted to start from zero again. And yeah, um, after, and, and I realized that it did pan out well because um, after my first talk, the second talk came after, and then third, fourth, and then right now, um, after, there, there's a certain year, I think three years ago or four years ago, where I had about, let's say, one talk per month. And then this last couple of years, there, there are some weeks where one there's there, I had four talks in one week, so it, it's it's super crazy. So, and from my end, I realized that when I'm sharing my knowledge to to different people, it helps remove the stress. It helps me relax and rest. 
because for one thing, when you're you're sharing your experiences, it helps people. That's number one. And number two, they ask questions. Uh, they ask questions. They ask for advice. I, I get to meet people outside my company, and then I, I get to solve their problems also. So usually, when you use a certain tech stack, for example, you only are aware of how it, how it's used in your current company. But when people ask you genuinely for help, and you're you're there to help them, you're able to to gain a lot of things. For one thing, you become more of a natural leader because for one thing, you don't you're not uh, you become generous in sharing a solution to to other people. And then you also get to analyze um, their own situation. And that would bring both people growth in, in a sense. And, and yeah, um, yeah. so I, I, learned, I learned a lot of things along the way. And, pub, and public speaking is something that's, that is able to help me connect with other people, help them. And until I, I became a machine learning hero at some point, which I, I was surprised at, oh, I, I became a machine learning hero. Public, probably, probably due to the public speaking uh, engagements. Uh, I definitely agree that generally helping someone grow and learn something new is probably one of the more satisfying experiences that are there to begin with, and seems to be working well for you. So, uh, for everybody who's not familiar with what it actually means to be AWS machine learning hero, it sounds a bit funky. What does it mean? Uh, machine learning heroes are the Community people um, who are uh, experts, or some some sort of subject matter experts, to help uh, to help share the technical knowledge in certain key aspects. So in AWS, there are something called heroes. AWS heroes. There's the community hero. There's the serverless hero. There's the machine learning hero, and so on. And I, I was able to meet the community hero Rafi. Rafael, five to six years ago. And one thing that amazed me is that he is sharing and helping others understand what AWS is, what how technical strategies are used in AWS without expecting anything in return. And that's one of the things that make heroes amazing. They literally give back to the community without expecting anything in return. And then after a few years uh, helping the community as uh, a subject matter in machine learning and machine learning engineering, and, and with other things, I got probably nominated as a machine learning hero, and then yeah, got recognized there at some point. And from my end, it's a bonus because some people are asking me, "How do you become a machine learning hero?" From my end, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I was probably nominated by 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 some some people because they realized that okay, this person is there to help share the knowledge, um, help people with their current needs. If they need advice, I just help them. If there are if there are, let's say, events where they need uh, speakers who would who are able to to do some deep technical talks on certain topics, I'm there to to help without expecting anything in return. I, I do not get my my talks paid because, for one thing, it's about giving back to the community. And once you have that mindset, maybe that's the time you become a hero, li- literally a hero, uh, helping the the world, helping save the world one day at a time. All right, so let's shift gears a little bit and let's talk about your book. So once again, it's called Machine Learning with Amazon SageMaker Cookbook and it's available from Pact. Um, why did you write it? Where did it, the idea come from? About 1.25 years ago, uh, last year. So, so when the pandemic started, when almost all countries or, or maybe all countries started with the remote work setup, I had extra time. Mm-hmm. Uh, initially, I had about three to four hours of commute from my house to the office every single day. So when the remote work setup was enforced because of the pandemic, uh, I had uh, I had an extra three to four hours per day. And the opportunity came January last year 
uh, there there was someone from the PAC team who reached out and asked me to write a book on certification first. So it's a different book. The first opportunity came and I had to reject the first opportunity because I am not allowed to write a book on certification. So uh, to, to, to add more context, I, I'm also one of the people helping contribute to the certification exams. Got invited by AWS to update the global certification exams. Uh, let's say let's say AWS certified uh, machine learning specialty, AWS certified solutions architect professional, and so on. Uh, because a few years ago, I was able to complete almost all the almost all of the certifications in the past. So they 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 wanted me as a subject matter expert helping update the exams. Uh, but of course, that there would be conflict of interest if I were to also write a book about it. Right, so you're you're updating the questions, and then you're going to write a book on how to pass the exams. That's a no-no. Yeah, so I had yeah, to reject it. That makes yeah. sense. <laughs> I had to politely reject it because that's not fair. Right. So I after after three months, another person from PAC reached out and told me to write a book or to ask me what book I can write. Yeah, that, that's the that's mm-hmm. the question. And the only the, the answer I shared was I am not allowed to write a certification book or a book that helps people get certified. So I had to choose a topic where I'm good at. Since I since I'm one of the people who who led and helped build the machine learning powered platform in my previous company. Um, mm-hmm. I, I had been able to I was able to deep dive in one or more of the AWS services for machine learning. And yeah, uh, we, we we talked a bit, uh, decided to to figure out what pro- what service we could probably write on write about and then yeah the member from the pack team asked me maybe you can write a book on SageMaker. Because initially, I I told him maybe we could talk, we, I could write a book talking about multiple services because AWS has a lot of services, right? And that person told me focus on one thing. Yes. So so there. Um. So after that, um, he asked me he asked me for some sort of um, table of contents to prepare to, to prepare an outline. And then after three days, I shared it with him. And yeah, uh, they reviewed it. The rest is history. Yeah, the rest is history. So how did you enjoy the process of writing a book? Obviously, like you said, you had some extra time, which is an unexpected bonus, I guess, from this horrible pandemic. So that was the first book that you wrote, right? How did you, what was the overall feeling? Did you enjoy that? Did you feel the same connection with, um, you know, sharing the knowledge with others that you got from public speaking and kind of helping people out? Was it similar along the same lines? Given that I wrote the book for about six to nine months, the feeling was kind of different every single month. Yeah, for one thing, uh, I had a very busy I had, I had a very busy schedule at work, so I had to squeeze in the time writing the book. Yeah, so at so, so at first, so 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 before, so, so to share some context, also I share I'll share the experience of writing the book each month, so that at least you have um, a bet, a better understanding of what's happening each month. So, so before writing the first chapter of my book, I did a bit of research first. So what I did is I I opened Amazon, Amazon.com, and then look for uh, look at each book, and then look at the comment section, and then look at the comments with the, the look at the look at the comments and ratings with the lowest ratings. So there's there are five stars, one one to five stars ratings there, right? So I had to look at what makes people hate a certain item or book. So I, I listed those down, and then one. So, so for one thing, one of the the common issues when when reading a book is that customers hate it when you try to copy paste content online and write it and put it into your book. Because of course, there's going to be 
redundancy there. If you're going to spend money on a book, w- why would you buy a book if it's already there? If you can already find it online, so so that that's one example. And sometimes and sometimes the the code samples are not even working when you purchase the book, or or maybe there mm-hmm. there's a lot of explanation um, skip inside the book. So after doing um, maybe half day of research on uh, what makes a good book good, I started writing the first chapter. Writing the first three chapters uh, was easy because when you're writing a book, you already have an idea, especially in the first parts. And towards the, 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 the middle of the execution part, what happened there was AWS started releasing new services. That's the tricky part. Because I was already done with about 50% of the book. And then for some reason, um, about October, November last year, uh, AWS uh, had reinvent. So every year, AWS announces a lot of new features and announcements. And the topic that I'm writing on, which is SageMaker, had about four or five new features. As in major features. It's, it's like a feature, but if you, deep, if you dig deep into those features, you'll realize that it's like a completely different service inside SageMaker. So for one thing, let's say that you want to do ML ops inside SageMaker without using another service. SageMaker had SageMaker pipelines. And I had to learn all of those things, even if it's pretty new, because I had to include it in, in my book, um, along with the other enhancements in the existing services. So doing a bit of research and revising some chapters is one of the trickier parts that I had to deal with, but it's fun because I wanted to make sure that the quality of the book is super high. Because right now, um, I was aware that during the pandemic, people would definitely have to worry about a lot of things. And let's say if you were watching a movie, you, you, you would probably know that the quality of movies during the pandemic have probably, uh, the, the quality has probably lowered a bit during the pandemic because it's much harder to work this past year, right? This past two years. So, so one thing that I told myself, okay, it's better to write a book that, that's super high quality. And I had to take to, to spend some extra time enhancing the quality. And yeah, it, it turned out well. And, and the funny thing there was around November last year, the book already had about 1,000 pages. November, December last wow. year, it already had about 900 to 1,000 pages. And then the pack team told me, uh, sorry, you can only do 600 to 700 pages. I was like, wow, what, what, what will happen to the extra 300 to 400 pages of content? And after researching a bit and trying to understand uh, what they were saying, they, they told me that you cannot do anything more than 700 pages because it might affect your book. Because if you, you were to print it, the publishing, the printing print shop or something would not be able to print something that's more than a certain number of pages. Otherwise, the book might be in an unstable um, might be in an unstable size, something like that. So yeah, I had to trim down the content from 1,000 pages to, to 700 or 600. And, and that, that's one of the, t- the trickier parts there. So whenever there's something like that when, when doing something, I had to take a step back, rest, rest, for, rest for the night, and then try to solve it again the next day. Because of course, it, it, the feeling is tough when the things that you worked on would just be thrown away, right? Especially the extra 200 pages of work. So, so yeah, I mean, yep. that's probably one of the things that I experienced. And then I, I, I decided to think positively and tell myself, okay, the definition, one of the definitions of perfection is that something is perfect if you can no longer take something away from it. 
yeah. So for example, if you have a tool, you can remove the the fluff in order to improve its quality even further. So what I did is I reviewed the entire book and decided to reduce the pages from 1,000 to 700. And the removal of the 300 pages there, after reviewing it multiple times, did improve the book because it removed the fluff. It removed the redundant explanation. It removed the redundant content. And uh, the things left there uh, is something that is really concise and straightforward. Because sometimes when you're writing a book, there's a tendency to to, to to write multiple things that share the same concepts. So at least there, I'm pretty sure that this 760-page book um, has all of the contents there that's unique and there's no redundant information. And sometimes there's a page there. Please refer to this certain uh, chapter or recipe for the explanation because it's explained there in detail. Yeah, so yeah. And then towards the end, towards the end, um, especially this past couple of months, it's more on the marketing initiatives, reaching out to, let's say, editorial reviewers, um, because uh, in in-book, uh, when you have a book, um, the books have something like editorial reviewer section, where they get to read the book first, and then they give one to two sentence of uh, a comment. Let's say, okay, this book um, extensively dis- discusses, uh, ex- extensively discuss the, the, what they call this, the contents, uh, the, the features of SageMaker in detail, something like that. And then, yeah, I think it. Uh, I believe it will be released uh, October 29th. So, so yeah, um, there, there's there, there are ups and downs, but mostly ups. And when you're mostly ups, yeah, mostly ups. <laughs> because when you're doing something that is like a passion project, you want something to be as perfect as possible. Something that if you were to read it a few years back, this is the book that you want to read, so that you will learn something the fastest time possible. Because when you're trying to learn machine learning right now and trying to apply it in the cloud, there's some sort of disconnect. Because some of the tools that we're using right now may probably work super fast in local machines. But when you have to do it in the cloud, there are very few references about it, especially on the topic of applied machine learning. So machine learning, yeah, you can learn. There there are these data sets and so on. But once you have to deploy it online, there are a few references. There are a few good references. But there are really few references on the topic of, let's say, SageMaker, applied machine learning of with SageMaker, using different uh, libraries and frameworks with SageMaker. So let's say you're using TensorFlow, uh, Scikit-Learn, PyTorch. Usually you have your own books for those topics. But trying to migrate it or port it to SageMaker, there's very few of, of that topic. And also trying to do things end-to-end in the cloud I also included it there in the book, along with the troubleshooting techniques, because that's something that's also hard to find online. Sometimes when you're trying something out, it's hard to solve something because even if you look online, given that there's, there are very few answers online, uh, I had to simplify it and make it something that's easily consumable by something who would read it. So whether you're a beginner, an intermediate user, an advanced user, you would appreciate it in the book. And, and to, be, to, to, to share a story also, when I was doing something at work, when we were trying to prepare a SageMaker notebook instance and we were trying to use Athena. So Athena is the service for uh, doing queries on big data. When, when, we, were do- mm-hmm. when we were doing that at work, I, I, I completely forgot how to configure something in Athena. So what I did is I opened my book because I have a copy of my own book before it gets published. So I opened my book and used the, the step-by-step guide there on how to configure things properly, especially fr- especially when connecting to your S3 bucket, which would serve as some sort of uh, auto- a d- database where you can do queries automatically, just reads. 
So yeah, that, that's one of the advantages of writing your own book. You can also use it as your own reference when you're doing stuff related to it. Okay, so one last question for everybody who's kind of in a similar situation. They've been thinking about writing a book, their first book, or maybe they were approached. What's one piece of advice that we would give them? Take the opportunity. Yes, um, I, I did talk to a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, because that's one of the harder things that people get to think about when when, when people start uh, reading comments and they start re- researching. One of the things that they'll see online is that don't write a book, you won't earn any money there. Which is which is probably true. Usually the best-selling authors may earn money, but it should be secondary. When you're writing a book, it should be uh, the intentions should be pure. Because once the intentions become pure and it's not about money, it's about creating something that's high quality, something that would help readers understand something better. It, it, it's like um, it's 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 like um, thought leadership. Thought leadership, where when you're speaking online, or you're, when you're speaking in, in public, you're just there sharing what you, what you know without expecting anything in return. And when you are in that mode, when you're writing your own book, it's a rare opportunity because we are not all given this opportunity. And sometimes this opportunity happens randomly. And when I was given that opportunity, I took it on. And yeah, um, I, I didn't even review the uh, how much I will earn last year. And so on, because I really wanted this to be a passion project where if I do something, I do something right. I do something which helps people. I do something that I'm proud of. Because for one thing, it did help me gain a lot of other skills. Something that you will not find online. For one thing, being able to think really fast. That's one of the things that I was able to gain and improve while writing the book. For So at the start, what happened there was when I'm writing a chapter, it did take me two to three weeks to write a 30-page to 50-page chapter. Um, after two months of doing it, um, I was able to write a chaf- chapter in two days, right? So a lot of skills did develop. Let's say even my my technical skills significantly improved because when I'm researching on something, it's completely different when you're researching for a book and when you're researching for work. So when you're researching for a book, you have to look for all the resources online and try it yourself because sometimes what you see online is not correct. Sometimes the advice there is just something that has a different context. And then when you're really experimenting on it, that the truth changes. So what I learned there is verify everything. And I had to try all the exa- most of the examples online. I had to buy a lot of books. I had to compare and contrast different options. Because what you write there in your book will be reviewed by technical reviewers. It will be reviewed by people around the world. And one single mistake would cost a star in, in Amazon, right? So, so something like that. You, you, have to be, you have to try to be as perfect as possible. You have to research. You have to spend time trying to polish your craft so that when you write it on your book, you put it on your book. Um, it reflects that the, the work that you've done would reflect on your book. And, and something like that requires a lot of time and planning. And, and going back to what I said earlier, take it on. It will only do you good but make sure that you allocate enough time for it to make sure that it's properly prepared. I love how you're measuring success in Amazon stars too. And I think that's sound advice. Um, Taking the opportunity and showing up is probably the (laughs) biggest part of being successful anyway. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. I'm pretty sure that's going to be useful to a lot of people uh, who might have considered and might have not made the jump yet. Um, my guest today is Joshua Arvin Latt. For everybody who wants to find him on LinkedIn, Twitter, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, Mr. Joshua Latt, 
M-R-J-O-S-H-U-A-L-A-T. There you go. You can follow the man. And for everybody listening, uh, we've got a giveaway. We've got five books from uh, Joshua Machine Learning with Amazon SageMaker Cookbook to give away. All you have to do to get one of this is uh, to send us an email with Joshua in the title to mark at com. That's M-A-R-K at conf42.com and the first five people are getting the book for everybody else i'm afraid they're going to have to uh, be satisfied with a discount coupon thank you so much for your time joshua this has been a pleasure and um, all the best with the sales of the book 